0: Sonic States. Not called.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 191. Uh, we're recording live today, Wednesday the 16th. No, uh, Wednesday the 29th of September. I don't know why 16th at 1600 hours UK time. Um, Please join us live in the chat room. Obviously, if you're watching the video stream um, live, then you probably are in the chat room. But if you're not and you want to join us next time, sonicstate.com forward slash live at 4 p.m. UK time is the place to be uh, live chat and all that sort of stuff. So uh, very much um, welcome. Come along. um, Got a live stream and we have a live chat room so people can get involved there. And um, we've got a couple of guests here. First of all, I'd like to welcome back Mr. Gaz Williams. Hello, hello. How are you, guys? It's been a long time. Well, you came in, you came into the studio probably two, three months ago. Now you've been busy since then.
2: Oh yeah, I've been really busy, uh, sort of uh, with some pretty great musical projects. Uh, uh, one of which was is just drawn to the end, and then another one is uh, uh, about two thirds of the way through. So, uh, uh, one of which was uh, the one I'm just finishing is this uh, album by former Cardiacs keyboard player William D Drake. Who is an absolute genius? I swear, he's a genius. He's a a wonderful piano player. Cardiacs, for people who don't know, that band was a band, a British band who really mainly around in the eighties. Well, this they sort of were still going up until recently when uh, the lead singer, ironically, had a cardiac arrest. Oh no. Terrible, right. uh, it's, it's, it's but uh, they're a really big, influential band. Really, they're kind of an underground band. Yeah, but bands like Radiohead and Blur and Supergrass and uh, Faith No More and many big bands, Tool, um, Mars Volta, they're all kind of they all credit Cardiacs as a big influence, uh, especially Blur. Uh, oh right, okay. And, yeah, and uh, and so. It's and I've been a big fan for a long time, so actually to get to work with uh, Bill has uh, been a real thrill, really, because he's yeah a bit of a hero of mine, really. Oh, um, fantastic! Yeah, and it's a it's an amazing album, and um, so so we're just literally it's just entered mastering now. So uh,
1: oh, brilliant! Are you are you a producer? Yeah. Have you been producing that?
2: I produced it, yeah. So and I, I ordinarily master the stuff I produce, but uh, this I'm going to get it mastered elsewhere, I think get a little bit distance from it then
1: <laughs> yeah well that's often an idea have you been doing that in um uh in reaper
2: i actually to be honest uh i started it in ableton live of all things which is a it's a little bit of an odd what choice to use as a door um yeah. because it's you know obviously it's kind of got its uh live uh slant but um I did. I actually transferred it over to Reaper then and, um, and it's been great and it's been really stable and it's been a real joy to use really. So, uh, I, 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 I should back up a little bit and explain a little bit why that is. I'm, uh, I'm a long-term Cubase user, but I've decided recently that I don't want to be a slave to the dongle no more. Uh, and I've been doing like with this album, I've been doing lots of remote recording, uh, using my laptop and I just really don't want to take a dongle out with me on jobs like that. It's no, like, sure. You know, so, so I was looking at other alternatives, and that eventually led me to uh, Reaper, which is uh, something I know. Well, we, being, discussed, uh, we,
1: we discussed it when you came on. In fact, since you, when you came on and told me about it, I've been using it yeah. ever since to edit the podcast. And oh, ma- and master and finish the podcast. I mean, it's just, oh, it's just you know, I'm am a total convert for that. I mean, it's so ah, much. So there I go. You know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. So yeah, <laughs> I really are recommend you, you, uh... it. People try that out. Um, if, oh, I, I know I've mentioned it before. And you okay. were right, because I remember you telling me it was uh, quite similar to the, the Sony Vegas kind of workflow, and it really is. It's actually, because I yeah. do video editing on the PC over there on the Sony Vegas, and so coming here and editing audio on it is just sec- it's second nature. It's brilliant. It works really well, and I can set the key commands to be the same as they are on Vegas for shuffle edit and ripple and grouping and all that stuff, and it's just, oh, <laughs> the, the dream come true. I can't tell you
2: <laughs> how... How glad. <laughs> so, but hey, um... anyway very evangelical about it. So well, I, 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 and
1: I'm, me too. I mean, it, it, it <laughs> makes you want to do that. So, uh, so I, look, I, I should introduce you. Have you got a, a URL or a place we should point you to?
2: Uh, I'm still a bit rubbish about that. Um, my girlfriend's has been busy. Me Lots of grief about getting it up. But uh, yeah, it's been from busyness really. But I, I've got um, a friend of mine to done the design now for my website. So it's, it's imminent.
1: <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you can tell us about it next time you come on then.
2: Okay. That'd be great. There is one thing I'd like to mention about this album before I move on is that um i bought uh i bought the uh mtron pro uh which was uh, part of the for this particular album uh because because bill bill wanted to use a sort of Mellotron on it and uh and it's amazing I'm really really pleased with that it's been it's been a real it's 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 all over the album, actually.
1: <laughs> well, that, that so, sounds hey. like that sounds like a really good cue to introduce the the next guest, who is uh, obviously okay. <laughs> Mr. Dave Spears of G4 Software, makers of said Mellotron, Mtron Pro. How are you, Dave? I'm
0: <laughs> oh, well, cheery now. Thank you
1: very much, guys. <laughs> Excellent. So you might notice that uh, both my guests are still on the, uh, are on their um, laptop speakers. I know, Dave, uh, Mike's, uh, Dave. I know you were trying real hard to. Uh, to try and uh, um, sort out your uh, your audio, but we're back on the laptop. I don't know what it is about that USB mic.
0: Yeah, no, I had uh, a really nice mic plugged into my Big Mac, as it were, here, and uh, but we failed. I failed miserably. So, yes, sorry. I'll get it sorted out. Never mind. I was um, looking forward to being hi-fi. Uh,
1: you know, how's everything going, apart from the tech nightmare that has been a, a bad Skype day?
0: Yeah, yeah, busy. As usual, I've been doing some videos. Have uh, you? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was about time we kind of did some videos of the things that we have. So that's been quite a laugh, actually. I put a old, I put a musical snippet up on the Fastbook page, and uh, feedback seems to have been pretty good. So I might just sneak one up there as a kind of sneaky advanced preview. Um, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of rejig some of the websites, So I'm kind of. Getting a few vids done for that, really. Oh, nice T-shirt, Nick, by the way.
1: Yes, it's the uh, GeForce T-shirt. It's not the GeForce show I'd like to add. This is the Sonic State Sonic Talk Show. <laughs> That's <laughs> Just right. right, I'm wearing an Isotope T-shirt, so... Oh, okay. are you? It's
3: okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Isotope, I am. Yeah, me too. Yeah, brilliant.
1: Hello, Mark, how are you?
3: Hello, I'm very well, thank you.
1: Uh, Mark Tinley, of course, dot like openboatorchestra.com, is it, or OBO, I forget which is the exact link. I
3: think it's openboatorchestra.com, yeah.
1: There we go, um, well, let me introduce you, we've got uh, Gaz Williams here and Dave Spears, uh, and Rich is apparently out there somewhere, I can see him in the chat room, but I can't see him on Skype for some reason. Um, and the first thing, this was really weird, this, this, this came in, I can't remember where it came in, I think I just saw it swing by on Twitter, and it was the fact that Apple is now the number two company in the world, the number two largest company in the world, were based at, what is it, 267 billion, which is kind of bigger than PetroChina and only uh, a mere 48 billion less than ExxonMobil, which is kind of a bit mind-blowing when you think about it, isn't it? I never thought we'd get to this stage. When you think that, you know, probably since we started using Apple computers and what have you, it's sort of... It's all been just kind of, you know, it was all a bit, um, what are we calling, niche?
3: It is utterly mind-blowing, isn't it? Utterly mind-blowing. How have they done that? It can't just be computers, can it? it has well, to it is. Be it's I-
1: iPods, iPhones. It's got to be just yeah. that. It's yeah. the move to consumer electronics. Um, so, you know, that's gotta be it. But uh, yeah, pretty, pretty kind of mind blowing, I must say. And, uh, there's some great quotes in this article on, uh, on the register. Uh, it it's almost exactly 13 years ago when RC would do what, what he would do to fix the ailing, the then ailing Apple computer. Michael Dell famously told a cry of, a crowd of IT executives, what would I do? I'd shut it down and give the money back to the shareholders. Dell's market <laughs> capitalization is currently 24.6 billion, 10 times less than Apple. Yeah, no, but uh, I, I mean, I thought it was worth just mentioning. I mean, no, know we just sometimes get accused of being a bit sort of Apple centric here, but uh, I thought that was a fact that was kind of fairly mind blowing. Dave, do you feel that your purchase, uh, recent purchase of any Apple technology has, uh, has, has helped them reach that uh, heady heady heights? I
0: think uh, certainly over the years, I've contributed to quite a lot of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I think we should start up a computer museum. See, I give mine to my I give my old ones to my dad, and my dad never throws anything away. It's sort of self confessed hoarder. So the other day I walked into some shed he's got over there and there was stuff going back to the Performer four hundred.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, I remember that. Hmm. I
0: think the only one I've ever binned is uh a Performer five two sixty or a five six twenty and a PowerMax
1: seventy one hundred.
3: Well, they were rubbish, weren't they?
1: I'm trying to the think t- I-
3: I don't that think... was a sort of fat pizza box one that kept on just sort of not working properly, right? With a Which one the the performer the one? The seventy-one
0: hundred. Oh, the seventy-one hundred was blinding. That was my first big major Mac purchase with sound card. That was the one that was five grand, wasn't it? With sound card, I remember.
3: Yeah, I I remember buying one of those, and all it did was go wrong all the time.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it had that mad, It had a really mad SCSI ID problem. I oh. think it was on sort of one of the it ID did have numbers. Something...
3: It, it, would just know, it of... did have something that made it sort of
0: unusable. Mm. Tons oh. of catalogue errors.
1: Oh, God, I don't remember. I I was actually thinking about this. I don't think I bought a new Mac until probably about five or six years, no, probably ten years ago, my first actual new Apple computer. The rest of it was second-hand or hand-me-downs or whatever. I could never afford one.
3: The insane thing is that they halve in value after a year, don't oh, well, they? So yeah, if I like go out and for like, four grand, you can buy it in in a year's time for two grand.
1: Yeah, but the thing is if you buy anything else, that'll kind of drop by seventy five percent. Apple's yeah. actually retain their retain their market value <laughs> retain their value quite quite well, really, as hardware.
3: I used to have a friend who did B stock Apple Macs. And I used to buy the latest model I could buy as a B-Stock model for probably half the price that I would have got it anywhere else, and I'd keep it for a year and then sell it for the price I paid for it.
1: God, yeah.
3: As
2: an admission.
1: <laughs> Gaz, have you been uh, contributing to the Apple coffers over the years?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I've got, a, uh, I've got a MacBook Pro and I've got a Mac Pro in my studio, so and I've had a, an iMac in the past. My mum, funnily enough, she had a, a Mac uh, the original Macintosh back in the mid eighties uh, like the little little all in one with oh, yeah. uh, a really mini screen built into the sort of the, yeah. the casing the classic, uh, cute, cute the classic yeah it was a lovely yeah. it was a lovely thing and uh, i think you know in a way this whole thing about the Apple reaching the, this point in the the business uh scale is is really down to the fact that they have really identified what makes using computers and technology, a pleasurable experience, you know. Um, and I think, uh, you know, good on them, really, because mm. it, it takes a lot of the grief. I mean, I use PCs for years and years, and oh, I wouldn't go back now, I'm afraid. <laughs> I still
1: use PCs every day, but for right. different purposes, although, you know, that's kind of nice. The the only thing I use a PC for now, actually, is, uh, is for video editing. Everything else is done on the Mac. Finally. I, I think we now have Mr. Rich Hilton. Come in, Rich. Are you there? I'm here. Hey! hey. How hey. you doing, hey. Rich? There seemed hey. to be, Hi, th- there was a misconnection somewhere along the line, and no, uh, I couldn't see you, you couldn't see me, and now we're all we're all back together. Rich Hilton, of course, studio pilot and uh, engineer producer, live player, um, based out of uh, Nile Rodgers Le Crib studio in Connecticut. How are you?
4: Real good, thank you. Real good. Good, I'm glad except to hear I, it. Except I awoke today to discovering that my Dime-A-Dozen account had been suspe- uh, permanently terminated, which was a little upsetting. But What's other that? Other than that, I'm
1: great. What's a Dime-A-Dozen account?
4: Dime-A-Dozen is an uh, easy torrent download site for various kinds of musical things and possibly software things, too. Uh, ah. Dimeadozen.com Dime is the place. But oh, anyway, never heard of
1: it. Uh, yeah, okay. Never heard of it. Oh, well, anyway. That's, that's a drag. I've got yeah, i got a new phone. <laughs> of oh, course, cool. what, got? Got? what have
3: you
1: got? I got the HTC Desire. Oh, very nice it, it is that? too.
3: What did you do that for?
1: Why? It's lovely. Because <laughs> I don't want an iPhone because they suck.
3: Frankly, no, they don't. They're lovely.
1: Uh, well, the iPhone <laughs> Four doesn't work, I'm afraid, and that's that's is fact. It not? No, but anyway, I got a new phone. Uh, what else has happened? Uh, oh, yeah, we went to. Um, Went to Buggles, went up to Sam West and filmed. Jeff had a, 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 a short period with uh, Buggles, who were reco- uh, rehearsing up there for the gig that I guess was last night. I don't know how it went, but that was fantastic. Oh, that- so I was in the same room as uh, Jeff Downs, who's obviously the, the, the kind of... Keyboard player from, uh, from the original Buggles, Yes, and Asia, Jeff uh, and also Trevor Horn was there. He said hello. I didn't manage to get an interview with him, but uh, they were very helpful because they were rehearsing, you know, and there was Lol Cream as well from 10CC and oh, Gar- wow. and Gary Langen who was um, doing, the, um, doing the front of house sound. It was like a real kind of star, starstruck. And we shot uh, an interview there and they stopped and let us kind of get on with it and waited for us to finish and then got back to rehearsing, which I thought was really cool. But I really enjoyed it, yes. And uh, there was a question whether it was a Roland and Dorsey. and uh, Yes, um, Jeff was a Roland and Dorsey. In fact, Roland kind of set us up with that, Um, I don't mind saying. I mean, it seemed fair enough. Um, And I think Jeff was under the impression that he had to say only good things and only talk about Roland. But, in fact, his entire rig was Roland. There was nothing else there made by anybody else. (laughs) But it was a hell of an experience. I really enjoyed it. And um, they were ever so so helpful. And and just being at Sam West is kind of is awesome, you know, because it's the, play, the place where you just look along at all the the albums on the wall and just think, Oh, that too. Cause it was at, it was Island's uh, studio. So all of those great Island recordings were a lot of them were done there as well. Brilliant. Thoroughly enjoyed it so, since yes, you asked.
2: Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Downs used to have a studio in Wales. Um, they, he took over a studio called Loco, which is just outside of Caerleon near Newport. And, uh, I used to I used to do stuff down there, so I got to know Jeff a little bit from doing that. But he had a fantastic collection of synths, But he sold he sold everything. He just sold my my friend Rob. He bought uh, Jeff Downs's uh, Profit Ten, which is a sort of jewel, you know, Ooh, sort nice. of jewel. Yeah. yeah, I know that one. And uh, discovered well when after he took it home, lifted uh, on the bottom of it was a, a Leo Sayer stencil on the bottom of it. So uh, wow. It
1: was, Half its value. <laughs> <hard to study. laughs> <laughs> 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 that's cruel. Strictly on hide alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's quite <laughs> funny. That that was. Um, no, it was great. I really enjoyed that. I, I, he's now. I think he's still got a studio in uh, in Wales somewhere. Um, not entirely sure where, but uh, I jumped at the opportunity to be able to go up to South West and and actually film up there. And it was it was just. A real pleasure, really good fun, and he was, you know, kind enough to play a load of stuff. And he's, you know, he's, he's kind of really precise. It was just a very interesting, interesting chat. And uh, unfortunately, we just, you know, they, we didn't have as much time as we'd like. But I mean, you got to expect it. I mean, production rehearsals are always very stressy. You can't hang about because there's lots and lots of people, you know, doing their thing. That uh, you've just got to, you've got to get on with it and get out of there. So I hope we didn't interrupt them too much. But it was great fun. Um, but yes. That was that's how my week was, and I've just, we've had loads of reviews going up and everything. Uh, Rich, you you didn't get a chance to comment on um, the Apple being number two, the second largest company in the world, which is kind of a shocking. Uh, it may have actually only been momentarily, because um, these things happen in, in, with the market and this it's calculated on the share values. But nonetheless, amazing.
4: Well, you should have seen me last night with Mike. My- party hat in my (laughs) noisemakers.
1: Got a lot lot of shares, have you?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Woo-hoo, yeah! No, uh, actually, I don't have any, but, um, you know, it's all good. Happy to hear it. Uh, I don't know if I agree that it has anything to do with their computing platforms whatsoever.
1: I don't think it does. It's all about consumer electronics, isn't it, really?
4: Yes, handhelds and uh, iPods and services like iTunes and all that is probably where it all came from.
1: Absolutely, yeah, um, more more than more than likely, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, shall we jump on to um, one of our topics? I, I think we might start with this. Um, this. Let me just play something. Was the sound of the Anywhere Instruments uh, Tiny synthesizer, which um, really is a tiny synthesizer. This is kind of modular system. I mean, it looks like it's about the same size as I don't know, maybe a, a, a 13-inch MacBook or just a bit bigger than an iPad. And it's uh, it, it's quite amazing, really. It's got two VCOs, three LFOs, three uh, multimode VCF. Uh, two envelopes plus another two kind of stroke envelopes, delay, reverb, audio gate. But also, what's really wild about it, it's got a full patch bay. Um, which is, it looks like you use these little tiny kind of breadboard leads. It's kind of a funky idea. Uh, twelve hundred ninety nine euros available quite soon, I believe. Uh, three hundred and fifty patch sockets there are in it. I mean, that should be enough for anybody. Although you might need to wear the kind of spectacles to get to them. Dave, you are um. Big synthy guy. Did you find this uh, made you think, oh, I wouldn't mind sticking one of those in a shoulder bag when I next get on a train?
0: Too right. <laughs> this could only have been better if they'd have said that those little connectors had been rescued from landfill sites and maybe it, it also had a step sequence on it, but I love this. I think it's almost mm. borderline genius, this is.
1: It's. I, I Actually, I was looking at it, I was thinking Korg should have made this. Because it's it's got that Korg kind of tiny cute factor, isn't it, that you just think it gives you this irrational desire for it, even though you probably wouldn't use it as much as you think you would. (laughs) I
0: think I might use it quite a lot. I don't know. I mean, what was
1: it, €1,200? Yeah, €1,300. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, I, I have to say I'm really, really tempted. Really tempted. It would just look great on my desk here.
1: It would be nice. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Look, great on my desk if I could good. find room for it.
3: You've tempted him, mm. haven't you? <laughs> I have.
1: Dave, can I, can, if there's somewhere that you could just buy it online now, is that possible? Because you talked me into buying a synth online last time, which I've, I, <laughs> I haven't used as much as I'd hoped.
0: <laughs> I did have a troll around their site, and I have to say I do like the picture of the bloke, Analog Tommy.
1: Analog Tommy? I think they're a German company, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, he sounds like an interesting character. I, don't, I haven't seen that picture. You'll have to let me know.
0: He's sort of sitting there smoking with a big picture of his tiny sizer behind him.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I like, I like the way that they scaled the thing. He actually put a clipo lighter next to it. So he was obviously mm. a hardcore nicotine guy, you know, which I quite like that. No compromise. I wonder if it's made in a smoke free workshop though. We'd like to. I'd like to know that for sure because obviously modulus being. I don't know, uh, Gaz. Are you? Uh, is this something that kind of entices you? I know you've just um, you've been looking for analog style. Is this something that you would you you think you might go for? I, I,
2: I'm, I'm probably. Uh, it looks really great. Uh, it's. Prob- I, I, I'm a little bit thick, I think, because I need to start quite simply. So that's why I, I've been into synths for years, but I always get a bit overwhelmed by things quite quickly. So. Um, <laughs> But I, I've I've been trying lots of different things out over the last few years, and I've been doing software synthesis. And I bought um, Omnisphere uh, nearly about a year and a half ago. Um, and I just I don't know. I just end up sort of uh, getting um, bogged down with complexity. So I've uh, I've, uh, just yes. new, yeah, I've just bought a yeah. I've just bought a synth today to try and counter that, and that's the the, the new Roland Gaia.
1: Ah, which, really? Oh, cool.
2: Y- yeah, which which sort of uh, it's really. I, I've been playing with it this afternoon, and I I really like it. So I think I'm just a bit something like the tiny sizer. I reckon I would just be a little bit out of my depth with that one. I think the, it, the, uh,
1: the danger of modular stuff it's that whole, you know we've talked about it many times. Is the speed of recall and use. It's it's going to have some pretty compelling reasons to get to get you to kind of start fiddling about with tiny bits of wire and uh, and what have you okay. to get it into a system. I suppose.
2: Yeah, I guess I mean, I'd, I'd love. I mean, I'd love it, but I think I've got to
1: just nail the basics first. Right. Well, of course, with the Gaia, if you're uh, if you're getting a bit kind of overwhelmed by that, even that synth interface, you can always switch into general MIDI mode and uh, access the large bank of general MIDI sounds on there, which I'm sure uh, probably won't be enticing you, but it's something that's no. uh, an added bonus. There's a couple. Yeah. You know, there's a reasonable piano and stuff in there. I seem to remember, and I, there was a good accordion <laughs> if you ever feel the need for one. I haven't got one immediately to hand.
2: You can't get at that, that though, from it on its own, no, can you? you? No, you need to. Else. You
1: need to MIDI input. Yeah, you need to, to mm. access it by that. Mm. Uh, Rich, is this uh, this is this a bit too fiddly for you, or do you like the look of that? Um, I so, like the look of it quite a bit, although
4: I don't know if I could actually operate a patch cord that small. Well, looking nor at nor those... do I know if they would last for more than a week.
1: Looking at the way looking at the way that those connectors are, you could probably wire up some other connectors and break out and come to a larger format patch panel. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. I suppose you could. But that would be a bit pointless. Defeat, yeah. <laughs> defeat the purpose of having something that small?
1: A bit pointless, yeah. I mean how many three hundred and fifty patch points? That's just kind of um <laughs> Jesus, that's enormous. I wonder if anything any of it's normal, so you can actually um you know, you don't have to about with little tiny wheels. Yeah, tweezers. You need juicy audio in the chat room. Says you need tweezers to patch it. Yeah, it's kind of. I, I'm kind of. I'm kind of with you there. It might be a bit fiddly. I
3: like. I like the idea that everything can modulate everything because I think that's kind oh. of half the fun of it. Because yeah. You know, if once you get into everything can modulate everything, you start creating sounds that just aren't possible with any regularly set up kind of synthesis. So, I kind of. I'd like to play with that,
1: actually. Well, the other thing that's quite cool is it says here on the bottom of the feature list I'm looking at, it's compatible with all one-volt per octave and five-volt gate synths and mods modules. So you can oh, you, you could, you could actually incorporate it into something else as well. Although you're going to have to start getting things like uh, these, these, um, these little crocodile clips for, for hooking it up to the other systems so that sort of come out of the lead. But I'm guessing those leads, they look like they are just single... Um, singles. you know, there's not... There's not a, a, a it looks sing- like a
3: piece of tinned yeah. wire, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Flimsy. Flimsy is the word that comes to mind.
3: <laughs> but I suppose Easily all you have to not, do is buy yourself... You can just, just buy
1: yourself a reel of cable and just sort of snip off a load more. You know, you know it's not going to really matter if you lose them.
3: But I can say... I can see. Yeah, exactly. It would save you running down to Tandy to buy three and a half millimetre jack cords. Right? And
1: then soldering them up. After all, I mean, who enjoys that? <laughs> snip <them> off <laughs> Nobody point. enjoys doing that, do they? Soldering <laughs> patch cables.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: no. <laughs> no, you pay people for that. Oh, is that me?
2: No, that's me. Hang okay. <laughs>
1: this seems like a good a good opportunity to do uh, do the ad and thank our sponsors uh, profusely of course our sponsors are yamaha uh the motif xf is what they're telling us about at the moment 741 megabytes of internal wave rom up to 2 gigabytes of optional flash flash wave memory and also um uh, 128 megabytes of onboard sample RAM, um, which on the previous versions there wasn't any built in, so you couldn't sample directly into it. Which, of course, it's a big uh, feature is, that, is the fact that it's a sample engine. The two gigabytes of optional flash wave memory means that we, when you switch off, all of that storage comes straight back, and it's absolutely instantaneous recall. So it's great for the live performer who needs just to pull back uh, loops, or maybe backing vocals, or stem, You know, all kinds of stuff you can run for the live show, or indeed load any of the custom libraries that are starting to come out for it. Uh, you're going to start seeing them coming into the stores near you very very quickly actually i'm just started to get a notification they're coming into uk stores so look out uh where you are in the world and please go do go and try one out um but if you need to know uh head over to sonicstate.com forward slash yamaha and that'll give you links through to the motif xf resources where presumably you can find out about a dealer near you and we want to thank them very much for their continued sponsorship of the show the swedish house mafia uh, the probably the biggest hit of the summer huge that is that, that that i took that from the video that's on youtube 17 million views can you believe it and what's really weird about this it's not really about the band that uh, that this feature is about it's actually to do with the fact that almost the, the entire focus of the video that has been viewed by these 17 million people is the teenage fan club the teenage engineering <laughs> op1 which is the, uh, the 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 kind of stylish Swedish synth that uh, when it first came out, everybody was kind of going, it's the new, it's the Casio VL tone for the 21st century. Astonishing, mm-hmm. really, that we got this, uh, that this synth is featured so heavily in the video. I mean, obviously, they're all Swedish, so maybe there's a kind of, there's a, there's a connection there, a kind of friendship or whatever, but amazing that it's got so much publicity. And didn't it look good?
2: Mm, yeah. It's a lovely looking thing, isn't it? It
1: is, yeah. It sort of coincides with the fact that there's news about, uh, the OP one. Cause when, when, mm-hmm. when it first came out, uh, I think I saw it at NAM or Mesa. I think it was Mesa. It, I was, I had a suspicion that it might be a bit of a kind of vaporware thing, but it's looking actually like it's going to be more, you know, it is a reality. They've set a price, 799 US dollars, which I think might be a little bit less than, uh, the original forecast, or it might be in around the same period. But what, what they're at, they have starting to get the kind of gold, uh, samples for the keyboard module and plastic parts from the factory so they're getting very very close i mean the problem that they're having now is you know they haven't given a release date because you know the sourcing the parts in this kind of economic situation is very very difficult because obviously want good stuff but there's kind of people going out of business and what have you so they're trying to get make sure they get a good f- uh, connection uh, uh, you know uh, deals in place so they can get the parts and get a decent price so they can they can work within the price but um I don't know. After seeing the video, I'm kind of feeling like, oh, yeah, I want to play with that too. Maybe that and the uh, this, the Tiny Sizer. What do you think, Dave?
0: Yeah, both would be nice. But <laughs> I do like the look of this. In fact, I did check it out at and it did sound very good. And this is just perfect product placement, isn't
1: it? You can't yeah. get much more perfect than 17 million views on YouTube. I mean, just imagine, you know, where else those views have been, you know, that's just YouTube, so presumably, by that reckoning, probably half the world's musical population might have actually seen the OP, the teenage fan, the teenage engineering OP1. I know, it's kind of pretty crazy. I could, uh, Rich, have you, you, you've been working with synthesizers for a long time, you know, you were selling them, did you ever try and get any product placement stuff in, in kind of that thing, on the, have you ever had anything on this level?
4: Um no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I was selling
4: synthesizers, there was no such thing as these kinds of product. I, you know, it it was different. I guess so. It was adver- It was advertising a synthy Aks by putting Ringo Star in the ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it
3: looks flares. nice. Looks nice
1: though. Page flares. Page flares
3: on no, a synthy yeah. Aks.
2: Why
1: <laughs> ever not? That would do it for me. <laughs> would definitely do it for me what do you think of this though rich it does look kind of, Have you have you had a hands-on i'm guessing you probably haven't made it to any of the shows where it's been on display i have not had hands-on i liked the video very much and was quite interested in it it does look like something that could be well i mean you know that there is it, it makes it look from that that the entire tune comes out of it but i find that kind of actually right. quite hard to, to believe no um, of course it
4: doesn't of course it doesn't that was the problem is you don't know what out of what you're seeing is what you're hearing. Yeah. Just because he's anything. pressing a button, just because he's pressing a button when you hear a note doesn't mean that note originated from
1: that instrument. No, of course not. Right. Um, but just to be clear, the OP1 is going to be shipped with six synth engines and two sampler types. Uh, Pulse was shown at the NAMM show. Other synthesizer engines are Doctor Wave, FM, Phase, String, Digital, and Cluster. And it will include eight effects, three LFO types, and three original sequencers. The mixer section has an EQ and drive, as well as master balance and a master effects slot. I mean, it looks like it's going to be pretty comprehensive, Mark. I mean, I, I can I can envision you with this on the kitchen table easily.
3: Yeah, me too. I can absolutely see myself with one of them. I'm mean, I'd no idea what all the little colored knobs do, but it looks it looks like it ought to be good. <laughs> exactly. it's, I love things that I can just put in my pocket. I like. I'd, I'd see. I, I used to have uh, panic attacks, and I used to just engage myself with something. Really, you know. Uh, so if I was in a place where I felt anxious, I'd get stuck into the Scion Organizer or the Yamaha QY20 or whatever and just switch off from the mm-hmm. rest of the world and get really into to something like that. So this would be sort of, you know, it would have been the perfect distraction tool, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And looking, looking so good as well.
3: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then <laughs> I would have been surrounded by girls and then i would have had to have talked to them and that would have been really frightening ah yeah that's <laughs> I mean, perhaps not the best
1: thing in the middle of, in the middle of that sort of state of mind i know i i, I guess are you 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 you're, you're are you going to be placing an order do you think
2: i think i probably will actually i mean i've got a long history of buying uh, these little devices you know i mean i had a qy 20 back in the day which i thought was brilliant um and i mean it was amazing wasn't it back in what 1993 maybe 1992 to have that um so so i've been really drawn to these kind of all in one kind of situations uh uh so yeah i think uh very appealing, but I think it's very expensive, though, isn't it? I, well, I'm I don't bit... know. I mean, it's small,
1: but I mean, when you think about it, I mean, look because looking at the way that it seems to be done, they've kind of gone for the machines concept, which is like kind of like the electron way of doing yeah. things, you know. The the and, and so it kind of um, I'm guessing that can be updated because it's a software kind of issue. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of it may be something that you, you know once you're buying it. I mean, the idea of buying into an instrument with longevity that looks like a Casio VL Tone is a little bit kind of it yeah. doesn't quite. Right, all go together, does it? But uh, right, but
2: uh, I've been quite. I've, I've found the operating of it. I've, I've watched the videos, and it's a bit incomprehensible. You know, I'm not quite sure what's going on. They keep cut into this little tape recorder thing, and uh, I'm intrigued by it. Though it looks like it's a completely original approach to doing stuff. So I think you know. Uh, I am very tempted, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's
1: good to see that they've kept that amazing OLED uh, display because that was one of the oh. big selling feet. And it just, the, the, they've obviously worked lake. really hard on the way that the visuals look. And it's got that kind of, just it just looks lovely and really quite, uh, you know, it's quite compelling, I suppose, I think. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I think beta's coming. Well, I know, they didn't say when beta. It's approaching quite soon and um they're so they're going to be sending them out into the world, so I'm sure we're going to start seeing a lot more um YouTube action, perhaps you know get a bit more of an idea of what this is going to be i i really should have signed up for the beta way back because mm. uh you know obviously you want to get one of those i I might try and hassle mm. them for some sort of uh early look, but I imagine they're going to be um you know fending off people like me you know with baseball bats at the moment <laughs> kind of funky and definitely something that I'll be interested in, uh, in getting hold of. Right, let me just, uh, so for those of you watching on the live stream, I've now switched to the, uh, to the, the camera above the, the keyboard with the iPad. And what we're looking at here is the, uh, N log from Tempo Rubato, which, uh, basically what they've done is one of the first synthesizers that's been, um, Incorporated uh, and uses the line six MIDI mobilizer, which I've got plugged into the iPad here, and it allows me to play this from the keyboard. The big problem is it crashes like a little, it's just like there's two notes on the and it's frozen. You can't say that. No, you can't, you're right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did. I surprised. But it does actually seem to be appropriate in this case because honestly, it's just crashing all over the place, which is a real shame. <laughs> It's great, actually. I really enjoyed um, playing with it when it was working, and it seems like you know we're kind of getting to a situation where this thing, you know, the latency is actually pretty good. I didn't feel like there was any real latency, although I didn't get any hard percussive sounds and start really messing with the timing. But um, it's uh, quite cool. Eight ninety nine dollars. Did anyone check out any of the videos or any of the uh, any of the stuff that was linked up and sort of were you impressed? Is it the idea, yes. the idea of it more than anything else? Sorry, I didn't. Who who said that? I said that. Ah, yes,
4: Rich. I was impressed. I was impressed. I was impressed. You, um, it
1: sounds good. I think that's the, uh, part of it's down to the fact that the IO I- on the uh, iPad is actually you know a cut above as well.
4: Well, I mean, I heard the demo online uh, with the iPod Touch where they were using it, and it still you know sounds great. I was impressed
1: got um, a bunch of different things. You can edit the sound. It's got an effects unit built in. It's got an XY pad. It's also got a little recorder that you can record patches so you can play a bunch of riffs and save them out. It's uh, MIDI mappable controllers, so you can map um, additional controllers to various parameters. There are how many performance parameters? I'll switch to it now. There's four performance parameters that you can map. So you've got got quite a lot of potential for mapping and and actually being able to play this thing. Um, but, obviously, you know, this is obviously early days. It does seem to kind of crash out a little bit more than I would like, so you couldn't really use it in a live situation. I mean, in any way, shape, or form at the moment. But um, the idea that there's an actual kind of hi- iPad or iPhone or whatever can become a hardware synthesizer is kind of... There's something appealing for, about that, and it sort of does... It. it goes against the whole point of Wi-Fi and, you know, standalone applications and what have you, but it sort of feels feels somehow neat and kind of sweet somehow. Gaz, have you got, have you got
2: an iPad or any of this, these devices yet? No, but I do have a Nintendo DS, and I've just noticed that they're going to uh, release um, the Korg M1 uh, as a Nintendo DS cartridge um, in de- December, I believe. Oh, um, mad. And it's the, and it's the whole, uh, it's the exact it is the actual m1 <laughs> you know because I, I, I don't know if everyone remembers that they did the the korg ms yeah ds10 yeah uh, yeah right. uh which which is terrific actually um my friend's got a, a korg ms10 and we we plugged them both in into them into mixing desk and um and we tried to sort of mimic each one uh and you know uh and the, the Nintendo sounded surprisingly like the actual core. It wasn't. It wasn't quite as fat, but it was surprisingly close. So I'm quite interested to see what this M1 is going to be like. Um, I suppose it's a similar kind of thing with a touch screen, etc. Um, I suppose. I mean, can
1: you access the DS via a, an external MIDI source? Is there a no, way of doing that? That would be. No, I mean, that would be cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, it's not. It's all. It really is kind of a about using the stylus for entering things with it. And, you know, it, it turns one of the screens into, uh, you know, they, they, they really go for this kind of idea of the chaos pad kind of thing where you map a, you, you actually map a scale onto the chaos pad. So you sort of run with the stylus and it'll play all the notes within a kind of key. Um, right. Okay. I got yeah, uh, uh, but, you. But, yeah, I mean... I, I'm actually very tempted to get an iPad as well. Ah. Uh,
1: <laughs> so how many purchases have we lined everybody up for from the oh. uh, just from this one show? I know, Dave, Dave Spears, did you, did you check this out? Have you downloaded it yet?
0: No, I haven't, um, but a mate of mine did it and put it on his iPad and had pretty much the same experience as you. Ah, uh, really? But he didn't use the same words.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to apologise for the live viewers and, uh, and my mum, or any grandmothers, or anybody who's easily offended by my potty mouth. Terribly sorry about that. Um, did he use worse words? I mean, it is—it's—it's it's so close. It's so close. It's just not quite—not quite, uh, not quite yeah. there.
0: Yeah, I mean, up, uh, updates will no doubt sort it out. But he said it did sound good.
1: And also, yeah, Akai Pete. Uh, it's only fair to mention in the chat room, Akai Pete, who I believe is a, uh, an employee of Akai. Don't forget that Akai SynthStation Station app is also available for iPad. Uh, well, I don't know whether it accesses the Line Six MIDI Mobilizer. Perhaps uh, Pete will be able to uh, clarify that when he gets the, the stream finally. Fi- uh, reaches his ears but kind of cool uh, but uh, mark are you are you have you got this on the iphone yet or i mean it's worth getting oh, one right of these now. midi mobilizers just so you can kind of try the whole midi i don't know what it runs like on an iphone it might be a different experience it might not uh, it might not crash I should,
3: d- I should definitely get one shouldn't i yeah
1: i think they're about 30 40 quid i don't think it's you know i mean it's like the price of I a midi buy one
3: on ebay i have no idea I'll go and look later on. I've no
1: idea. I'm sure you can. There are lots of people with stores out there. Not,
3: I do use the iPhone for a lot of things, and I um, have. I mean, I have now just been watching the uh, video that uh, is it Juicy put on there for the uh, tutorial for that little keyboard, and just watching that sort of thinking. Well, I'm not entirely sure that I it does anything that I can't already do with yeah. something in my pocket. So. Um,
1: yeah hmm. but i mean interesting. you know it's again it's it's again with the miniaturization isn't it i mean it just seems to me we're heading there faster and faster and faster to this kind of thing where you know your phone can become your synthesizer and all of that stuff I've
3: got, well it's worse than that actually my phone's become my guitar i've got this terrible new <laughs> habit which is driving gina a little crazy uh, and i've got this guitar application on it and it's got I've found, like, a lead solo. So it's got wah-wah when I tilt. Oh, no. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and it's got, like, about four frets around the 12th fret. So you can do hammer-ons and you get the open string as well. And I I've been didn't... wandering around supermarkets doing, like, these blazing guitar solos. And, of course, if you slide your finger across the string it bends the string. So you can actually play really convincing guitar solos on it, and I can play faster on the iPhone than I can on a real guitar as well.
1: I can imagine that might uh, actually become quite annoying after the sixth or seventh hundredth time. <laughs> it
3: takes all in stride. Oh, well. <laughs> seems to.
1: Well done. <laughs>
3: Good man.
1: Good man. Well, anyway, um, that was the uh, N-Log <laughs> by, um, oh, what were they called again? Tempo, Tempo rubato. Robots. But yeah, let's have another version. I don't know whether it's a limitation of the iPad OS or the MIDI mobilizer or the, the application that causes it to crash. But uh, apparently there's going to be, uh, that there are rumors that there's going to be a USB connection, uh, included in the next version of the iPad and there'll be core MIDI. So that'll probably make it a lot more of a viable option because we are obviously, you know, kind of pretty much on the, 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 the bleeding edge of all of this stuff right now. Eight ninety nine from the iTunes store.
0: When we first started playing together, you know, we were just a high school band playing in the gymnasium, really. And, you know, doing a couple of shows around town and, you know, we sucked. But, you know, we already had a, an ear for the funk. It was like
4: sort of the discovery of the band. We were a bunch of kids in Montreal buying funk records over the weekend. And then there was the synth thing that I was like, well, P loves synth and he plays the talk box. So it was the
0: vocal processing, all of that was compatible. So that really sort of opened the whole avenue for us to be making music. In any ways, I'm already there and I want you to do it. Don't turn the lights on
1: that was uh, the intro to the motherboard tv part uh, um piece on chromio who uh they they build themselves as the only the planet's only Arab-stroke-Jewish electro-funk duo, which is quite possibly the truth. Uh, seemed like a n- nice bunch of guys. Um, very sort of 80s uh, '80s influence, but the the video that Motherboard TV did was a kind of tour around the studio and kind of what they were using, and it was just quite interesting, very retro. Massive amount of polyphonic synthesizers and, and, and the like there. And, of course, uh, the, the real kicker was the fact they were running a a PC, Pentium 2, with some really old version of some cakewalk software that came from uh, um, Thug's uncle, Lebanese uncle, that he's obviously got as a crack kind of years and years ago, and he's learned, and they've just sort of stuck with it and used the whole thing sort of MIDI. It just seemed like a kind of quite an unusual setup, really, and and... And he's also got, uh, by the sound of it, Roger Trankman's, um DX one hundred talk box set up of which he he's a very good player of it. Because uh, I don't know if you followed it through. There's some other other uh, um, links up there, perhaps we can get onto later. But uh, um, Dave, your uh, was the, the, I think he started off by the first shot of him playing was uh, they were playing some kind of Oberheim. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's probably an OBXA right, or something. Was it? Yeah, it All just... good. All
1: good. I've decided that I want a talk box now. How do you? <laughs> is that the accept? Because I know your 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 good wife uh, is not so keen on vocoders. Are talk box is acceptable?
0: Probably not, but it's worth a shot.
1: Well, because yeah, I mean, DX 100s have uh, shot up in uh, on eBay just purely because they are so thought after for, as talk box sources. I don't know what the patch is that you use as the source for it, but there's there's obviously a very spe- specific one. You know yeah, what it that's is kind of
0: interesting, no, I don't it's kind of interesting because I just thought it took it from the speaker, as it were, not necessarily from the synth itself.
1: Well, it does, but you've still got to send the the right carrier, if you like, into the speaker from the from the DX okay, but I don't know what it yeah. is no, I definitely
0: fancy one though yeah, but, I I think mean, having Roger Trapman's is pretty cool, yeah,
1: it is, isn't it, although I want to change the pipe probably. <laughs> You know I mean, or well, maybe not i don 't know it depends how how much of a fan you are, but you know just generally speaking it's probably a good idea to either maybe cut off a section or get a new a new a new length made up <laughs> <laughs> if it 's a second hand one obviously um but yeah, cool um did you also see they they're they 're very i mean if you listen to the album which is available now it 's uh what 's it called it 's called uh Business Casual, and it came out uh, yesterday or the day before in the UK. It's out everywhere else. And it's very 80s kind of Hall & Oates, um, just kind of that polysynth disco frenzy, but sort of convincing somehow. It is
0: quite well
1: done. It is quite well done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I was impressed. I didn't expect to be, but I was.
1: Uh, any other any other great spotters? I did, was it a VP three thirty? Or I saw an H. Is it an yeah. HS sixty, which is the speaker version of the Juno one hundred and six? Yeah, yeah. Saw that. Yeah, Rich, did you get a chance to check this out? Yes, I did. Did there anything? Are uh, there some nice, um, there a nice wall of electromechanical keyboards there as well, did not they?
4: Yeah, I guess. I, I don't really – I didn't do that much gear spotting. I was kind of interested in what they were saying and what they were doing. Hmm. I didn't really look around the background as much as you guys did. But um what interested me was the romantic aspect of the fact that people lock into a certain point in time technologically and decide that's where they want to live.
1: Yeah, they were, so the they were making some, a lot of that, weren't they? Yeah.
4: Yeah, well, in the case of these guys, it's Pentium 2, a lot of MIDI <laughs> stuff, old-style MIDI interfaces, hardware all over the room, that kind of thing. In the case of some famous mixers from the you know 80s and 90s, it's transferring everything to digital tape and running an SSL console. Whatever it is, it just becomes some sort of um, romantic dwelling in a certain period of technological time. And I thought that was interesting about it for me and uh, their enthusiasm was cool
1: it is interesting because this te- this period of technological time hasn't really been mined to the degree that it seems to be coming now i mean the last Gulf rap album had quite a lot of that sort of vibe on it as well and it seems to be quite this this sort of Sort of, almost. It's almost like kitsch '80s kind of vibe. It's not the sort of the big bombastic production. It's the sort of dry electronic pop with the sort of the the cheesy polysynth that seems to be kind of fashionable at the moment. And it's it's weird hearing it around this time. It's sort of quite refreshing, and I'm not sure why that is. Gaz, would you would you have any uh, any theories that, to, as to why that is? Um,
2: it's kind of it's. It sort of ties in with like kind of like the return of day glow as a kind of fashion, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it,
1: Leg warmers and global hypercolor. Yeah, yeah
2: there is definitely some connection there. I saw a band uh, in Green Man Festival a few weeks ago called uh, Neon Indian, and um, and they really struck me as a very kind of like now band, but they with a huge um, debt again to the. That '80s thing, so that that that, that polysynth vibe, exactly. Um, so it's quite interesting. I think people, I think those sounds have been too cheesy to use for so such a long time now that people seem to be just uh, just um, absolutely loving them now. It's, it is uh, it like
1: there's that Mark Ronson, the Business International. Um, that's really polysynthy as well. And yeah,
2: yeah, I just uh, listened to that.
1: Yeah, no, I, lo- I thought it's a cracking, it's a cracking tune actually. Just a, just a great riff, I suppose.
0: Yeah. So have we, met, have we reached a moment in time where synth brass has been forgiven?
1: I don't know. Do you think we might be? <laughs> do, you think, do you think it might be acceptable to put a bit of fanfare action into your next yeah. tune?
3: I think you're all being very nice about this band.
1: Do you? Do, what, did you not, oh, did yeah. you not like them?
3: <laughs> it was, uh, well, the guy kind of says in it, like, you know, it was about that time I discovered I'd got the funk.
1: And yeah I, so that's quite a, that's quite an in a my assumption world,
3: he hasn't and I don't want <laughs> You know, like the Ohio players have got the funk, or bloody George Clinton's got the funk, but I'm afraid this young man doesn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the same way, you know. <laughs> it's the nerdy funk.
1: Yeah, but that, that's kind of it, I isn't
3: it? That, but the, what was, never liked Hall & Oates, I'm afraid. Well, so. that,
1: but, I mean, I don't know if anyone followed that, because that, that was kind of, they were talking about Hall and & Oates, and then suddenly I thought I saw that they'd been featured on something called Live from Darrell's House, which I'd never come across, and it was... Awesome. Did, you, did anyone see the Life from Daryl's House stuff? No. no uh, follow that? It, it's, uh, I, it, it's basically Daryl Hall um, from Hall & Oates got this massive house somewhere in the country with a huge barn that he's um, turned into like a kind of recording large live room. And they get together. It's, it's a bit like a jam session. And then they get an artist coming in and they, come, they play each other 's songs. And uh, Chromio were playing, uh, doing some Hall & Oates covers with Uh, John Hall, but there's lots of acoustic guitar and what have you, and it's all played live and filmed brilliantly, and in between the tunes they've got this kind of interview and just discussion in the kitchen while they're having a break and it's just a really brilliant format for kind of music lovers uh, uh, and people who are interested in what goes on and what's being done you know behind the scenes, absolutely, live from com. check it out it's really really good, a brilliant and they're, they're up to like episode 30, they do loads of these things, they've been doing them for several years it's absolutely brilliant and uh, their yeah. session with them was kind of good because they had, uh, Pthug was doing some really brilliant um, talk box stuff live as well, so they did Say No Go and they were doing those kind of a couple of those Hall & Oates classics. It was really good, actually, and you could sort of see it's that sort of it's that white boy funkiness, which is you know is not quite the same thing as this sort of full on yeah, funkadelicness.
3: But okay, but other people do that better. Like Imagination, I think they do that better.
1: But they don't do it anymore. Well,
3: they <laughs> These did were do also. It. What I quite liked about these guys was those really kind of tight
0: syncopated basslines, which I'd sort of almost forgotten about. You know, like the System and all those guys. Yeah. And when I, I, hearing this, I kind of went, "Oh, actually, yeah, that's kind of interesting again now."
1: Yeah. It's, it's solid bass, isn't it? <laughs> well, here yeah. it comes. Here comes solid bass. I forget which number pre-say it was, but, uh, it's, the, we're, we're heading dangerously. We're getting polysynth and I think FM's going to be coming straight back in. We're going to start having, how long is it before we start getting the really cheesy tiny piano sound Not being sort of in the forefront of contemporary, um, pop or dance music?
0: And I then, think we've got another five years, haven't we, before the nineties comes back with a vengeance
1: again. We well, one piano know. everywhere, and one piano maybe. No, I don't think. It's, I think it's getting shorter and shorter. I uh, rich did, did did this do anything for you? Did you find uh, did you did you find or have you heard of the live from Daryl's house stuff? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. I I didn't. I don't think I got the link and realized that you were going to talk
4: about it. But yes, I have. Um, her uh, seen some live from Darrell's house
1: stuff, and it's really enjoyable. The one I enjoyed the most was the one with Todd Rundgren. Uh, uh, I, di- I didn't get around to seeing that one, but uh, they've got a whole bunch of people there. It's absolutely brilliant. Are
2: they all still available to watch?
1: Yeah, you just go live to House dot com, or live at House dot com. I forget which one it is. And uh, but literally, you just—it's just a whole bunch. I and mean, I—I think it's only available online. So God knows. Where they mm-hmm. get the monetizing for this thing, because it must have cost an absolute fortune to shoot. And you know, they got five, six, seven cameras, you know, these great, really high quality musicians. It seems like that. I think one of the guys was there was, there's quite a few keyboard players and one of the keyboard players was doing backing vocals with maybe sort of TC electronic kind of voice live stuff as well. So you get this really, there's no other backing, then there's other backing vocalists there. So you get this amazing vocal production, but it's all, it all seems to be quite lively done it doesn't look like they do too much uh, you know post i mean obviously they mix it and tie it up a bit but it's not like i don't think they put loads of overdubs and stuff on and it's just really brilliantly put together um you know piece of programming but only it seems to be only for the web but mm. great idea. And the Chromio mm. episode is good because obviously they're big fans of, of Hall and & Notes. And so they asked them a bunch of questions about what they were, you know, what they were using and how they did stuff live. And, stuff. and it's just kind of interesting insight into the whole kind of whole thing. Just really enjoyed that.
3: I'll check that out. Thanks i'll go and watch it as well because i'm always willing to accept that i'm wrong about people oh i know I, I,
1: I completely <laughs> take on board your point of view about about Romeo. that's that's fine but it, you know there's another aspect to this which was also quite interesting um what else have we got ah d- have we got time for it so um everything's a remix what do you think
2: yeah go on remix to combine or edit existing materials to produce something new. The term remix originally applied to music. It rose to prominence late last century during the heyday of hip-hop, the first popular music form to incorporate sampling from existing recordings. Early example, the Sugar Hill Gang samples the bass riff from Sheik's Good Times in the 1979 hit, Rapper's Delight.
4: Now what you hear is not a test, I'm rapping to the beat. Me,
2: the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. Your Since then, that same bass line has been sampled dozens of times.
1: I'll stop it there, because it, uh, it's, it's quite a long piece, and it's very interesting. Obviously, Rich, that that last section might have some resonance, obviously, working for uh, for Neil Rogers. As you do, you'll be fully aware of that bass line and uh, various other aspects of that particular tune. But uh, this was an interesting, and I think it's a theory that I've heard you mention before, where everything is kind of like a remix, and this is by a chap called Kirby. And, uh, he's basically, um, it's like a, a, a documentary stroke essay, video essay. But aside from the actual subject matter, there are some other interesting concepts, which is, you know, he's made episode one and now, you know, to make the further three episodes, he, there's a piece at the end where he says, you know, this is the first one. We'd really like to, to do more. How about donations? And I can devote more of my time and finish it off. It's, so there's a couple of interesting aspects to that there. Um, yeah, so have you have you ever worked on that kind of project where you do that's where, where there's a sort of a funding from the participants and the fans is that something you've ever ever been involved in?
2: No, but I am actually thinking of doing something like that now. There is uh, there is various websites set up isn't there for that purpose. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I haven't, but I, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, I'm trying to get money together to make this massive prog rock epic thing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so maybe you should look. get
1: back in touch with um, with Mr. Downs.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm sure he could. Um, he could give you a cape cape inspired solo from once <laughs> in a while. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Uh, no, interesting idea. I, I know. Um, did what did you make of the the piece? It was quite interesting. I mean, it was a bit heavy on the old uh, Led Zeppelin angle, but uh, apart from that, I quite enjoyed the general content of it. I I think it's interesting. Yeah.
0: Sorry, Dave. No, no, no. I thought it was good. Good production. Some good stuff. I didn't. I uh, was interested at the end when he said that, you know, Led Zepp obviously hadn't sued anybody, even though they'd borrowed things in the past. So that was quite an interesting angle because i know nothing about them.
1: No, if you go to the everythingisaremix.info, um, there are, 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 the people have contributed to it and say, actually, you know, this fact and this fact are not necessarily correct. And one of them was, well, actually, Led Zeppelin did sue a couple of people for, for, for a couple of things, but not those tunes. Well, the other, th- the other thing that was interesting is that the, refer- the earlier references he was talking about, so- you know, Soft Machine, that's the way he connects to uh, Led Zeppelin, who Soft Machine, uh, William Burroughs, um, when he coined the phrase "heavy metal" and also used this kind of cut-up technique for matching, you know, for random remixing of text to kind of create new texts from stuff, and uh, obviously lots of people have used that in the past. But I don't know, kind of, in Mark, is, did 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 this uh, interest you, or am I heading for the tumbleweed? Button?
3: No, I think it does interest me. I re- I really <laughs> like sampling. You no, know, I've always liked sampling, and I love the idea of remixing things. And my my unwritten so far or unfinished album is. All my favorite songs, I've taken chunks of my favorite songs and just sung new songs over them. So when I actually get round to finishing it and releasing it, it's not going to be, oh, that's been taken from here. It's going to be a, a little step more blatant than the use of that chic bass line and that hip hop track. Right. So in other words, I've... I, kind of cut and paste around in people's songs until i get a chunk of it that doesn't have any of anyone else's singing and then sing something new on top of it so i like the idea of kind of everything is in a especially if somebody's done a great mix of something you want to capture the whole mix right?
1: <laughs> i suppose so yeah
3: so you know some if a record's got a really really good sound and i can I can take a chunk of it and then spin something in over the top of it. And this and this isn't to say that I haven't done this for my whole career, because I think my career started because I saw somebody on uh, Tomorrow's World with a fair light and thought, I want to do that. Hmm. So um I've started Duran Duran off with things uh, where I've sampled something really blatantly and cut it and looped it, and they've played... Over the top of it, and we've written a song over the top of it, and then the thing that was blatantly copied and looped has disappeared later yeah and uh you know it uh, it creates a vibe and a feel and a uh, and uh uh what's the fragrance? is is a very nick word
1: oh, in yeah no uh, that, that, I like that as a word it's got a it's a sort of essence in a sort of yes, o- exactly. olfactory essence. <laughs>
3: So, I mean, if you you, know, you take four bars of a chic track and you loop it, you get into the chic vibe and then you write another song and then you remove the chic vibe afterwards, the chic vibe's kind of still there because it's been such a massive influence on the direction of the song.
1: Yeah, but that's a lot of people. I mean, Rich, you've, you were sort of saying that that's, you know, that's something that's, that, that happens in the studio, you know, countless studios in writing sessions. It's not an unusual way of, of actually getting things going, is it?
4: Not at all. No. People love to listen to other people's records and decide what they want to do.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of it's natural, I guess. I guess the thing is that there are def- there are different definitions of sampling in this because obviously the Sugar Hill Gang apparently the bass line was replayed uh, according to various sources it may or may not be the case. You know, there's things where which are sampled. There's you know, there's all sorts of ways. Or you can cover a tune. You know, Led Zeppelin didn't sample, but they obviously just took a tune, reinterpreted. It, you know, maybe wrote some more lyrics. We discussed that previously when uh, when it was the Dazed and Confused thing that uh, that we talked about. So there's there's a lot of w- there's a lot of different ways that it can be, manifest itself, I guess.
2: I'm, I'm working on something at the moment, um, which is quite taking this idea, but um, using a piece of classical music. Actually, I'm using a, a piece of um, a, a bit of a Turangalia um, by um, um, Messiaen. And I, I, I'm, just, I'm just overdubbing over it over it. Uh, lots of parts, but not not actually copying any parts. But I'm trying to make a kind of complete piece based on sort of, and then I'll take away the track once it's finished. <laughs> it sounded quite funny so far.
1: No, that's interesting because, I mean, the, the, it's very tempting to try and keep it in there as a sort of, you know, as mm. the body and the substance. Sometimes when you take it away, it's sort of, it becomes something well, totally different when you, when you haven't got... Up-
2: that's what I'm hoping for, you know, and it's a very difficult piece of music to play along to.
1: I can imagine. <laughs> so I'm not familiar with it, but I can imagine. Mm. Oh, interesting. That's the one
2: that features the uh, the Andes Martineau you know. Say so it was like uh, the thing. Is it the the first big piece of classical music to have an electronic instrument with it?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. That's an in- mm. interesting idea. So, I mean, because. Uh, I, I guess it must be. There must be a. Um, it sounds like one of those things that you get if you flip over one of the Eno cards. You know, it's kind of try and. Yeah. It, it's like a writing method, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. You come up with something. I, I mean, the the famous example is uh, Trout Mask Replica, isn't it? Where um, Captain Beefheart just uh, he, he couldn't play the piano, but he bashed out all these tunes on the piano, and then the band had to then learn to play this random piano stuff right. and in the and in the learning to play these random piano stuff they come up with all these fantastic riffs and made up the album took them a, i think was it a year to rehearse and then a day to record <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know again it's a process isn't it for yeah games, yeah I yeah but that's quite an interesting
1: way of using kind of a, a brilliant musician
2: what i'm what i'm finding though is that if you just play a groove across the top of it because there is some sort of tempo this eventually catches up with it and uh, <laughs> totally to agree
3: find... mm. I've turned the you know the thing that goes clink clonk 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 on the metronome and you have like a harder one and a softer one I've switched that all yeah. off now and I just have it just going click click and keeping time yeah yeah I yeah I don't yeah, have yeah. any emphasis on any beats at all because it gets much more interesting and it, and I just sort of think of that you know the grid as a grid, and not necessarily as it, I don't... I cut things not on bars anymore and just cut things out, basically, so... I, I agree. Mm,
1: no, yeah. it's it, it's interesting, that, definitely. Um, Dave, have you... Is that something that you've kind of ever experimented with, where you sort of build something up and then sort of almost, like, pull the rug out underneath and see what's left? I mean, is that... I've not tried that. I should, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, a couple of times. I mean, i You know, I'm still on, on this ongoing growing-up-in-the-70s project. And what's really... That word, fragrance is just brilliant, because... That's exactly what you want the listener to kind of experience, that kind of smell of that era, just that instant nostalgia. And it's stuff like, I found this, uh, do you remember that David Dundas I pull my blue jeans on? There's that whirly riff, there's that whirly riff in there, and I was just vamping around on that the other day and just built this this whole section out of it, and then I thought, do I leave it in or do I take it out? And actually (laughs) we just completely changed the time signature, and yet still when I've played it to a couple of mates, they've gone, Oh God, that reminds me of, but they can't quite pinpoint it. And that's
1: why. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent. No, that's a great idea. I think that's a, that's, it should go in a sort of, um, compositional or songwriting tips and tricks list somewhere. I think that idea, but fragrant, mm. fra- yes, it's like a hint, isn't it? I suppose. Mm. It's like the off white of odor. <laughs> or, no, that's a bit random. <laughs> white with a hint of smell. Yeah, quite. Well, I, I think yeah. we're uh, well, certainly at the end of the topic list. That's been an interesting uh, interesting journey this week, and uh, perhaps uh, quite a bit more synthy than it has been for a little while, because there just seems to be a lot more uh, going on around the place, which is kind of good. Um, incidentally, tomorrow morning, um, I'm interviewing uh, a chap called 12th Planet, who is uh, one of the big LA uh, dubstep producers. Um, he's going to be joining me at 2 o'clock in the morning his time, 10 o'clock my time, and uh, we'll be recording an interview, because he's been doing some really interesting stuff, and I've been listening to some of his work. And that's a genre that's really, really kind of quite experimental. It's not all about kind of roots and, and reggae. It's a lot of a, a really interesting lecture, And again, this sort of polysynth stuff's kind of coming into that as well. So really quite an interesting, interesting stuff. So I'm really looking forward to having a chance to chat to him. Uh, and that's my, my next task but, um, but for this show I think perhaps uh, Sonic Talk 191 is, is heading towards its uh, normal close I want to say thank everybody in the chat room for joining us it's been a, a pleasure as ever uh, thanks uh, particularly to Kiwi Fan who is uh, who's putting the line yeah 2am interviews of course we know that he gets yes. up incredibly early in uh, New Zealand to, uh, to enjoy the show and we very much appreciate him and all the other listeners as I do the guests as well really do appreciate it and thanks very much uh, certainly to uh, Gaz williams haven't spoken to you for a while it's always a pleasure to have you on we'd love to have you back more and uh, thank you and once again thank you again for turning me on to reaper i would thoroughly recommend uh, that to everybody else i really should ch- check it out um and also uh well we haven't got a url for gaz but um perhaps we'll find well, i think we might put a link to your <laughs> myspace page last time i can't remember now yeah well,
2: my band rocket gold star i think that's what we did uh...
1: that's right rocket gold star and also to rich hilton from connecticut uh, have you got a busy day in the studio ahead of you um,
4: I believe so, yes. I believe so. I'm not quite sure what I'm looking at. Not right sure now, what the but,
1: day has in store. But they're all busy days in the studio. Of course. Mm. Of course. Yes, they are indeed. And, and also, well, thank you very much, Rich. At MySpace.com forward slash Hiltonius to see what Rich is up to, amongst other things. And also, uh, Mark Tinley, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm glad you can make it. Uh, LikeBeing.com and Open Boat Orchestra. We definitely still want to do a little feature on the old uh, Open Boat Orchestra project. How's that all going? Good?
3: Yes, that's coming along uh, quite nicely, actually.
1: Excellent. Well, I look forward to that. Well,
3: Programming something that reads and writes and does things with SD cards and is this little chip thing and blah blah blah. But
1: ooh, all right. Well, we should we should definitely do a special I've on been, that at some point.
3: I've been very creative with the URL. Actually, I've got a new one. Oh, what have one. you got? I took the idea of uh, avant garde.
1: Yeah.
3: And realised that when uh, autistic people are very clever, like me, of course. <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> yes. Uh, that they, they quite often get called a savant. So I've called myself, uh, I've got ConceptSavant.com, but it could be ConceptSavant, as in somebody that's very good at coming up with ideas, or it could be Concepts Avant, as in As in go, or go. As in, as in, you know, leading the way kind of thing. Ah, oh, so okay. Concept- Concepts- conceptsavant.com.
1: Brilliant. Well, I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you very much for joining us, Mark.
3: You're very welcome. Thank you. And,
1: and also, uh, Dave Spears, G four Software, thank you for um, wrestling with your bad Skype and technology data to, to, to get there in the nick of time. Very much appreciate it. We'll get <laughs> you sorted out at some time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll get back on the uh, hi-fi mic.
1: Yes, the Hi-Fi mic. I'm looking forward to a bit of radio action. And, uh, yes, this week I've had a lot of stuff going up. I'd be sure to check out our uh, Eventide uh, Pitch Factor, the SSL X-Patch review we just put up, uh, also the uh, Jeff Downs piece we did from Psalm um, West, all available on the site sonicstate.com Um just do a search or go over to the news section. It's all there. Um, another couple of things coming, obviously. Uh, I've just finished an edit for the Jet City uh, 2112 Valve Combo, which is really nice, designed by Soldano. Very, very nice, so look out for that as well. So, and lots more stuff coming besides. So that was Sonic Talk number 191 over for the week. Thank you very much, everybody.